This is the Marvel Sports Podcast. And it's a team that I don't think anybody in basketball could have predicted. Ready for my bold pick of the day? I'm going to take UNC. On the Pittsburgh side of things, we're still learning a lot about their deficiencies. Here's your host, David Marr. We're on episode 17 of the Marvel Sports Podcast alongside Andrew Spezano. I'm David Marr. We had a fantastic Friday night recently. Um, we went out to Wooden Tap with our good colleague, Mel Carey, who was on our podcast before. So, And then we went to York Hill, had a great time watching the Rangers absolutely destroy the Bruins without pretty much their entire um, like big-name guys uh, on the ice and then watch the last seconds of the Celtics win against Indiana. So that was a fun night. And uh, we're hoping that we get to that in the near future. Um, I, what I'm thinking, Andrew, is that I bring a Panthers game up at the same time we're watching the Rangers and we'll just do like a double watch party or something like that. Oh, yeah, for sure. That would be fun. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was a great night. Um, yeah. Wooden Tap was good. And then obviously I enjoyed watching the Rangers. They played so well that night against the Bruins. And then we saw a good end of that Celtics, um, that Celtics game. That was a, that was a fun night. Yeah. So hopefully the Panthers and Rangers will play on the same day, and I'll take the Panthers game up to York, and we'll uh, watch the Rangers game, and I'll have the Panthers game on in the background or something like that. So, um, mm-hmm. but let let's dive into some uh, big topics here, and let's start with one that just broke about, say about three hours ago. JJ Watt was rumored to go to one of three places. A lot of fans were guessing. They were thinking go to Green Bay or Cleveland or Buffalo. And he just pulled right around and said, I'm going to join up with Arizona. And he signed a two-year deal, $31 million, 23 guaranteed with the Arizona Cardinals. And, and I tweeted this out after he got landed. He's going to be paired up with Chandler Jones, who's a great pass rusher. DeAndre Hopkins is one of his friends from Houston at the receiving core. But you also have Isaiah Simmons in the linebacking spot. Buda Baker and Patrick Peterson, if they work out his contract in the offseason. I think Arizona could be for real next year. If, if they get some more help around Kyler Murray, I think they're going to be a playoff team with the, with this new signing. But what do you what do you what are your thoughts on uh, JJ Watt going to the desert? Um, I think JJ Watt going to the um Arizona Cardinals is definitely a very interesting move because this really solidifies that defensive line. Um you now obviously Chandler Jones is a stud. But they didn't really have much depth beyond that. I mean, you had Marcus Golden, Hassan Reddick, but they're more linebackers. Um, but now you have two very legit edge guys. So that's really going to help them when it comes to pressuring the quarterback. And then obviously they have Buda Baker, who's phenomenal at the safety position. And they also have Isaiah Simmons as an interior lineman, who's been very, he's a very promising young player. I think it's going to be interesting to see if they continue to add on to that defense. I think keeping Hassan Reddick would be huge. I remember he had a five-sack game against my Giants. Yep, and that was Marcus his. Golden's, Marcus Golden's a solid player, too. He played well. I think he had a lot of pressures. If they could keep, if they could keep those two, they're going to be really scary up front, and it'll also be interesting to see what they do with Patrick Peterson, like you said. 
Hassan Reddick had five sacks against the Giants, and that was the most he's ever had in a game ever playing football. Um, as it was mentioned by Mike Florio on Pro Football Talk after the game against the Giants. That will so now the signing is going to be interesting at the draft because Arizona is a team that has Kyler Murray, a dynamic quarterback. They've got some good receivers. They really don't have the line to run the football. So that would be my number one get at the draft, get an offensive lineman, maybe get another running back just to help help Kyler Murray in that running game. But then as a defense, maybe chasing another defensive lineman. Maybe you want to boost that because we saw what the 49ers did when they got um, DeForest Buckner in the offseason and then they landed Nick Bosa out of the draft. What do they do? They ran that all the way to the Super Bowl um, and were like one of the best defenses in the NFL, probably the best defense in the NFL back in 2019. So this signing could be the exact same thing that the 49ers did a couple of years ago. But on the flip side of that, you look at Seattle, they have no defense. And they're in a division with Aaron Donald, Nick Bosa, um, <clears throat> Javon Kinlaw, uh, Fred Warner, J.J. Watt, Chandler Jones. They have so many defensive guys that they have to prepare for. I, I don't know about Seattle, and they've got a lot of things to work, worry about with Russell Wilson, um, you know, hollering for some help on his offensive line. So that will be a division that is now was focused on offense, but now might be focused more on defense with this signing. So that that's huge for Arizona. Um, and then the other story that we, we had a few minutes ago, Alex Smith parting ways with Washington. Um, he was acquired from Kansas city back in 2018 in March. Um, he got hurt his horrific knee injury. He suffered against the Texans um, in 2018, came back in 2020, was the comeback player of the year. With him gone, what will Washington do at quarterback? Because now they don't have Smith. They don't have Dwayne Haskins. They gave him to Pittsburgh. Um, where does Washington go from here? You know, first of all, it's important that we note how awesome of a comeback story Alex Smith was last year. You know, he Absolutely. came in, he stepped in and really performed well. He got them – he really carried them to the playoffs. I think with he's just a great game manager and I definitely think he deserves a job going into next year. Um, but it's looking like the, the Washington football team is going to go into the direction of Taylor Heineke, you know, especially after the way he played against the bucks in that playoff game. He also played well towards the end of that game against the Panthers in week 16, I believe. Um, I definitely think they're going to give him a shot, but if they don't go that direction, I could see them trying to make a big play for either someone in the draft or maybe go after someone in the trade market. We'll see what happens. But right now I'm thinking Taylor Heineke is going to get a chance. He really did have a fantastic 2020. I mean, he was the main reason that uh, Alex Smith was that the football team got all the way, win the East division. Um, but he's been saying in the off season, they didn't want me there. Um, they didn't want to give him a chance. The only reason they had to do it was because Dwayne Haskins was not off to a good start. Kyle Allen got hurt. They didn't have anyone else to turn to until they signed Taylor Heineke and put him on the roster um, a few weeks later into the season. It was just an emergency situation. They had no one else to go to. And he, and I was thinking that after he got, Washington to the playoffs that he would have been the starter and they would have said, all right, well, you got us this far. Maybe you should stay. 
but now that kind of makes it, it's not a good look for Washington to let him go. Um, even by saying they didn't want him, you saw what he did, right? To go all the way to the um, winning the East Division in Philadelphia on Sunday night. Um, yeah, he didn't play in the playoff game, but so what? He got you there. It's just, it's not a good look for Washington, but you're right. If they go forward with Taylor Heineke, he's a good starter. He's got some playmakers. They've got a great defense. Um, just watch out for Washington. If they figure out their quarterback situation, they can become very dangerous. So that was our NFL offseason update. So let's dive into what's going on right now in sports. And we'll start in hockey. And we'll start with a team from the West that was kind of off to a rocky start. And then suddenly have pulled close to the Vegas Golden Knights in the West Division. And that would be the Minnesota Wild. They've played 18 games, 12 and 6, 24 points. That's tied for second in the division, one point behind Vegas, and they meet the Golden Knights tonight in Las Vegas. Andrew, what's been the key for the turnaround of, for Minnesota after winning six in a row after starting uh, 500? You know, they've had some breakout guys this year. Um, they've got this rookie, Kapril Kaprizov. He's got 17 points in 18 games. You know, he's really played well. They've got, um, I think, Jordan Greenway. He has 14 points. Joel Erickson-Eck, he's played well. Uh, Matt Zuccarello, who's only played in seven games, has 11 points. He's really been huge for that Minnesota offense. I remember him. You know, he was a fan favorite for us Rangers fans. Um, so it's nice to see him doing well. Kevin Fiala is solid. They picked up Ryan Hartman, who's been a good pickup. And defensively, they have Ryan Suter, Matt Dumba, Brodeen. They, that's been a pretty good core the last few years, and they're starting to just build onto it. They picked up Nick Benino, who's been solid. Nick Ugstad, he used to be on the Panthers. Um, you know, they've just they're just hot right now, and they've gotten very good goaltending out of Kakinen and Cam Talbot. They've both allowed just uh, just around two point four goals a game or less, um, you know, I'm impressed with the way they're playing and I'm excited to see how their matchup goes against the Knights tonight. Should be a good one. And Jordan Greenway used to play at, I believe he was a, a BU prospect out of Boston University, and he's done such a great job in that offense. You're right. But I, I got to give a lot of credit to, um, you know, to Nick Bukestad as an offseason pickup. He's coming and played well. Um it's good to have guys like Ryan Suter in the locker room, very good leader uh, in the locker room. Um, and they, and they've played well, they, they've really dominated. And I was impressed with their winning against Colorado because the Avs they score a ton of goals on you and the wild outscored them. And they won the game six to two. Nico Sturm had two goals in that game. Uh, Zach Parise, who I think is an underrated player in the NHL had a great game. And if they, if they beat Vegas uh, on the road, by the way, two games out there in Las Vegas to kick off a four-game road trip, they'll play two at Arizona. I, the Wild could be an a upstart contender in, in the West. And I know we're talking – I still like Colorado. I still like St. Louis. And I still love Vegas. But, I, but Minnesota, if they could easily throw their name into the hat if they knock off the Knights in this game tonight. So it be a fascinating game between Minnesota and Las Vegas tonight. The team that is basically opposite the wild is Montreal. They have lost five straight. They fired their head coach and they are now in fourth place in the Canadian division because Winnipeg's leapfrogged them 
Edmonton and Toronto are going ahead of them at this point. Calgary's right behind them. What's what's there to fix for Montreal? Because obviously firing Claude Julien wasn't the answer. You know, the problem for Montreal, and it wasn't a problem in the beginning of the season when they were off to that great start. It's it's been it's been their offense, you know. They're not scoring a lot of goals. They put up just one goal against the Jets on Saturday. And then defensively against the Jets, they struggled. They gave up six goals the game before that while putting up three. But before that, they had – they beat the Maple Leafs 2-1. Then they lost 5-3, lost to the Senators 3-2. Then they lost to the Senators again 5-4 in a shootout. You know, they've just struggled. Um, you know, they just got to figure out ways to win. You know, I guess they have to play better defensively or – figure it out offensively. They're just struggling right now. Game on February 23rd, and I texted you after the game that um, that play where Brendan Gallagher looked like he had the game-winning goal at the end of the game was waved off for goaltender interference, and it was an abysmal call because um, Matt Murray had plenty of time to get ready. He was, Brendan Gallagher was, pushed into him, and it got, it got called back. And I was so upset. I'm like, how can I like, I, and of course I'm from Boston. So I, I have a disrespect for the Canadians, but that had to have been a goal. I mean, you cannot, it, it was just mind boggling to see that kind of call happen. I, I never expected that in a game. And, and now Montreal, you lose five in a row, you get Ottawa again. And the senators, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're kind of climbing up. I know that they've, you know, those two wins against Montreal were big. Four. So, and, you know, in the Canadian division, then if Montreal keeps slipping and Vancouver is clearly off to a terrible start, Ottawa could, might have found something. So I, I would be aware of the Senators. You know, everybody's talking about them being a really bad team. They've competed and they have competed in every single game that they've played. And, um, I, I, they may not finish last. They may not make the playoffs, but I don't think they'll be a last place finish at this point. So, but let's talk about a series that we watched over the weekend. And that was the original six battle between the Rangers and the Bruins. And I say this every time the Rangers and Bruins get together, expect the best performance out of the New York Rangers when they play against the Bruins. And we saw it on Friday night when they just dominated the Bruins from start to finish, beating them six to two, in a really not so competitive game. Um, Chris Kreider had a ridiculous goal and by ridiculous, I mean, he just bagged it off. It was a basically prayer of a shot. From the corner. Shot. Yeah. And it goes in Gorgiev in a nice game. And then he gets taken out in game two with a concussion for a little bit. Shesterkin goes in and the Bruins end up beating them four to one. So what was our takeaway from, and you can start with the Rangers side. I'll do Bruins side big takeaway from the Rangers Bruins uh, split this weekend at the garden. You know, as a Rangers fan, I'll, without Artemi Panarin and Kako or Capo Kako, I'll definitely take a split against the Bruins who have been one of the best teams in the East this year. But the first game, the Bruins were coming off of a night where they had lost seven to two to the Islanders. And, you know, they just looked just as if not more flat Friday night against the Rangers. You know, the Rangers were just skating, circles around them you know they were having all they were having fourth liners put up numbers against them um and Tuka Rask just didn't look sharp um the defense was atrocious 
you know, I think we, we were watching, we were talking about it, like the amount of odd man rushes the Rangers were getting, especially towards the end of the game, was kind of out of hand. You know, we were really, con- you know, it was really concerning to see the Bruins play that poorly back-to-back nights, you know. Giving up 13 goals in two nights to the two New York teams is definitely frustrating, especially since the Rangers are missing their super player in, in Panarin and Kako's having a phenomenal second season. And Philip Hedl, too, he's going to be back soon for the Rangers, which is going to be a big boost. Um, and then in game two, you know, the Rangers just, you know, they lost Gorgiev. They couldn't get it going offensively. That just shows your the inconsistency that you're going to see without Panarin, you know. You don't have that rock. It's going to be hard to find ways to win every game without that solidified guy because you can't expect consistent performances out of the other guys, especially, I mean, Chris Kreider's played well recently and Colin Blackwell's been a great find and the defense has looked pretty good. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what I take away from the Rangers this weekend, you know, expecting to get Kako and Hedl back this week and we'll see what happens with Panarin, but Rangers are, Rangers are impressing me right now. They've played good hockey the last few weeks, even without Panarin. Well, being from Boston, it's concerning when you see the Bruins lose three of their last five, especially to two game, two games in particular that after um, the first game against the Devils was postponed, they play again and the Devils beat them in their, I think it was like their second or first or second game coming off their COVID outbreak and the Devils beat them three, two. All right. I'm like, it's a setback. It's fine. And then after they destroy Philadelphia, all right, they're back. Everything's good. It was just a letdown. And then they give up 13 goals against the Islanders and the Rangers. Game two, more surprising to me, because you would expect of all teams, the Bruins to have a much better performance after giving up seven goals to the New York Islanders to just dominate the Rangers. And I said this at the beginning of the season, when they lost Tory Krug and Zdeno Chara, that softened their defensive core. And I'm like, it's not going to be the same as it's been over the last three, five, uh, three, five years. And they probably will not be the best team in the East. They sort of figured it out. And then we saw what happened when they don't figure it out. They give up too many on-man rushes, as you said, Andrew, in that game, they had too many defensive breakdowns um, in the neutral zone. The Rangers had multiple two-on-ones, three-on-twos, three-on-ones in the game. And then game two, it looked like the Bruins figured it out. The injury to the goaltender kind of was another reason why, but mm-hmm. the Bruins have got to figure out their defensive issues and they're going to have to figure them out quickly because they've got two games coming up against Washington and the Capitals now lead the East division uh, two points ahead of both the Bruins and the New York Islanders after their win on Sunday against the New Jersey Devils. So, but for the Rangers, big win. I mean, there's not a lot of separation between them, New Jersey and Buffalo and they're only six points behind Pittsburgh and a game and a game behind them at this point. Uh, as in terms of games played, they played 19, Pittsburgh's played 20. But they've beaten Washington, they've beaten the Bruins, they have beaten Philadelphia, and they could beat the Islanders. So yeah, they the play Rangers, well against good competition. The Rangers have some winnable games coming up. They're playing at home against Buffalo tomorrow, then they got two on the road against the Devils. And then they have a big two-game series in Pittsburgh, so it'll be interesting to see how they play down the stretch the next couple weeks. 
And then right after that, it's a two-game series at Boston, uh, I think with a Sunday afternoon game uh, at TD Garden. So, yeah, the Rangers winnable games. And that two-game series in Pittsburgh, if they can beat the Sabres, who got shut out twice by Philadelphia, by the way, and sweep the Devils, they could put them in position to potentially catch Pittsburgh. So mm-hmm. um, the other series that is still going on, but um, the happened this weekend was the Panthers – near comeback win against Carolina. Um, and, I, and I said this after the game, the Panthers were never in the game, much less really, you know, the first period looked good and then Carolina completely took control. And then the, the Panthers being the Panthers muster up a third period comeback like they did against Dallas and get the game to overtime. I thought Carolina was going to win in overtime because the Panthers just laid back and sat there the whole time. Carolina was all over him. Bob's came up big and then it goes to a shootout and Carolina ends up winning it. But getting a point out of it is not bad when you look at how that game went. So what are we learning about Carolina and Florida uh, in this series as the central division tightens up? You know, I think what we're seeing is both of these teams are pretty close. And when it comes to terms of talent, I think both of these teams are very deep offensively. Um, I think we saw Patrick Hornquist had two points. I think we're seeing how huge of an addition he was to this Florida Panthers offense. And we're seeing some of the young guys on the hurricane step up. Um, I think Martin Nakos, who's a really young player, won the game in the shootout. He's going to be a, he's going to be a solid player. Um, and then you got guys like Savechnikov, Ajo, um, Warren Fogle had a goal in that game. You know, I'm, I'm impressed by this Carolina team, but I'm also, like I've said, I'm very impressed with the way the Panthers have played. Frankie Vetrano had a goal. Then obviously you got Huberto and Barkov, that insane line. Um, Keith Yandel's also, he had a big goal in a recent game too, I think. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing from both the Panthers and the Hurricanes. I think both of those teams are going to be playoff teams, and I, ho- I hope we get to see them play. That would be a good series. Yeah, it certainly would. I, I would, And uh, I know some of my friends back home that are big Hurricane fans, and they've been saying, like, we're really hoping that we get Panthers-Hurricanes as a round one, round two series, which I think would be fun. And I think the Central Division, we're finally seeing the top four and the bottom four kind of – be front and center when you look at the way that Florida and Tampa Bay have played in the first uh, 20 games of the season, Tampa just blew out Dallas the other night. And we'll get into the stars in a second. Um, Chicago's turning around. I really like the comeback with the Blackhawks after getting dominated their first four games. They're on a roll. They're in third place, but then the bottom, the bottom four Columbus has lost a couple in a row. Nashville can't find any defense. Detroit has really been a really sloppy team. And then Dallas, you know, it's one thing to see Detroit at the bottom, but see Dallas in dead last, something's missing. And we saw it in the the Florida series, um, in that three-game series with the Panthers. Dallas is great when they have their defense rolling and shutting down other teams, and that's the way that they're built. But they have no offense whatsoever. It took them – it, it took Anton and Oban everything he possibly could to win the first, to lose the first game. He did. He played so much better in game two. And then they start Ottinger because it was a back-to-back. Ottinger did everything he could to hold down the fort. And then the Panthers turned on the Jets and won the game in the third period. 
what can Dallas do to fix their offensive issues right now? Because they're in dead last in the division after almost winning the cup last year. You know, one thing that's important to note about Dallas is they've had COVID issues. So they've mm-hmm. only played 16 games. They're, they're sitting at 6-6-4. Six, six, and four. So I do think they will pass Detroit. Um, I do. I still like. I like them over Detroit in terms of talent. Um, you know they're getting good performances from Joe Pavelski. He has ten goals and ten assists, and John Klingberg on defense has been great. And Radulov's only played in eight games. He has eleven points. Um, Gary Anob solid too. Um, I think they they want they need to get Jamie Ben going and. I'm not 100% sure, but I think – is Tyler Sagan injured? Yeah, he's been hurt. I think he's been dealing with a, a leg injury for the for uh, for a while now. So, he's yeah. he's been out for a while. Sagan hasn't played yet this year. I think getting him back could be a big boost. Um, but, obviously, Dallas made it to the Stanley Cup last year. So, it's kind of underwhelming to see them sitting at the bottom of the division right now. Um, but we'll see if they get Sagan back. Maybe that'll spark their offense, and as they continue to catch up in games played, we'll see how they we'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah. Eight, you still have to play eight more games than everybody else, which is is fine. But the way that they've lost these games, they just cannot score. And it's again, as I as I said before, they're built on defense, but you have to put the puck in the net however you can. It doesn't matter who you're playing; you have to score. And Dallas isn't scoring right now. So they, they're definitely better than Detroit. But I don't think that they're a, a top four team right now based on the way that they just can't score and the way that they just can't generate any kind of offense. Um, and the way that everybody else is playing too, with the way that Carolina, Florida, Chicago are playing, and obviously Tampa Bay is right at the top. So uh, let's finish up quick questions here. Um, one word to describe uh, the Tampa Bay 5 uh, nothing win against Dallas the other night. Um. Impressive, you know, Tampa Bay is just, um, they're just a powerhouse, you know, I think they have what 29 points now this year, yeah. Um, you know, they're getting an incredible season out of Steven Stamkos, he's got 19 points in 17 games, he was obviously hurt for a while last year. Victor Hedman now has 19 points in 19 games, so does Braden Point. Sergachev has stepped up, he has 14 assists on defense. You're also getting Good hockey from Pala and Sorelli. Um, the goaltending has been sharp. Vasilevsky's 12-3-1, just allowing 1.75 um, goals a game, which is insane. Um, Vasilevsky has been phenomenal. I think he won the Vezina a couple seasons ago. Um, you know, he's really good. Yeah, Tampa Bay has just been flat-out dominant, and I thought they wouldn't be as – I didn't, I didn't think they'd be the top team with Kucherov being sidelined for the season. But the other night against Dallas, they just dominated them. Um, you got Stamkos, Point, and Palat each scored, as well as Sorelli and Maroon. You know, and they shot them out. You know, just impressive. Yeah, I was going to say dominant because um, the way that Tampa's been playing, um, they didn't have to face a lot of offense, but they can generate offense however they please on the power play. Um, even strength, neutral zone, they, they're just everywhere. Um, the team that you trust the most in the North Division, which is the Canadian Division? 
it's still the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, you know, they just have a world of talent on that team. Um, they have 34 points right now, and they've gotten 18 goals in 20 games out of Austin Matthews, and Mitch Marner is 32 points in, in 22 games. Um, you know, they've got – I think they got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 guys with double-digit points. And Joe Thornton's been an interesting addition for them. He has 10 points in 10 games. Um, you know, I've really been impressed with the way Toronto's looked. And Freddie Anderson's 11-3-2. He's allowed under 2.7 goals a game. Just really impressed with how Toronto's looked. Yeah, I was going to say Toronto. The way that they just, they just destroyed Edmonton on Saturday um, with Edmonton not being able to score. Jack Campbell – in goal for Toronto, the backup at stopping 30 save, making making 30 saves on 30 shots. Um, that was impressive. The way that he came in and just completely shut. Um, and then lastly, um, four or five, uh, we have a little bit of a cluster. Aside from Vegas and Minnesota, the team that you would look out for um, moving forward for the rest of the season. In the West, I'm going to go with the Colorado Avalanche. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they've kind of had – they've kind of been a little inconsistent. They've dealt with some COVID issues this year, but I still really like the talent on that team. Nathan McKinnon, Nico Rantanen. Um, Brandon Saad's been a very solid addition. Devin Taves has been a good addition for the defense. Quinnipiac alumni. Yep. Um, and then Kale McCarr and Gerard on defense have been good. I still really think that Colorado is going to pick it up. Philip Grubauer's 10-5. He's allowed 2.01 goals a game. And, yeah, I still think they're the team to look out for outside of the um, Golden Knights and the Wild right now. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. I would also throw out L.A. because before that – series against Minnesota, they won five in a row. And that, um, you know, nothing to discourage them. They're still a, a, a very solid team, good defense, um, good goal scorers. Um, and they've got uh, a pretty easy schedule. They've got Arizona and then a big two-game series with St. Louis. And I don't trust St. Louis because they just gave up six against San Jose. Jordan Bennington throwing a fit after the game. Um, they've got a lot of internal issues to figure out, but um, – that's that's the I would trust LA. I would also trust Colorado too. I think they're they're playing probably best out of those teams right now. So Vegas, Minnesota tonight, big game in the NHL. That'll be Wednesday night hockey as well. It'll be a big game on Wednesday night hockey. So mm-hmm. let's go to the NBA and we will start with a team that we were not feeling so good about last week, which was the LA Lakers. They won two in a row, I'll beat at um against Golden State and um uh Portland. Portland was rolling into that game so it's good to see the lakers snap that four game skid have we changed our mindset about the lakers after two straight wins against portland and golden state um you know i still think that their success is going to be hinging on anthony davis returning Mm -hmm. just like we discussed last week yes they've won two games over portland and golden state and they actually blew out golden state last night um they were up by like 30 points at half, I think. Um, you know, LeBron James is incredible. And obviously the Lakers are still very deep. But I just don't know if I'm ready to say that I have more confidence 
in their roster without AD over the Clippers just because the Clippers are so deep. And I still think Utah is playing the best basketball in the West. And they blew out the – or they – yeah, they blew out the Lakers on last Wednesday. So I still want to see what happens with Davis. But two good wins for the Lakers. I was not impressed with that win against Portland because Portland – because the Lakers shot – 25% 25% from three um, Portland didn't do much better. They shot 29, but still um, I think Portland kind of took their feet off the gas at the end of the half and gave up 31 points in the third quarter. Damian Lillard at 35 points, which was a touchdown and an extra point more than LeBron James in that game. So that was not impressive. The win against golden state was impressive. I was more impressed with um, the Lakers. They did, they shot better from three. Um, they, they did a lot more, um, you know, their defense, was better. Um, they had a lot more offensive rebounds um, in the game. They held Steph Curry to 16 points. That was a much more complete win for the Lakers, but you're right. I'm not ready to cement them over the Clippers, and I'm certainly not ready to cement them over the Jazz, the way that the Jazz just just basically destroyed them in that game the other night. The Jazz have been really, really rolling right now. Um, having sent, They did lose to Miami, a tight game, but and let's get into Miami for a second because they're one more of the hotter, hotter teams, pun intended, in the East right now um, at the number five spot. They've won six in a row with the one of the latest wins being against Utah, but also wins against the Lakers, the Kings, the Raptors. Um, how impressed are you about Miami after winning six in a row? You know, I remember in the beginning of the season looking at the records, Miami was like 6-14 and 14 or something like that. And I was like, that that doesn't seem right. And now they're 16-16. and 16. Um, You know, they've gotten – you know, I think Jimmy Butler coming back has been huge. He's averaging over 20 a game. Bam Adebayo has been phenomenal. You know, Miami's just deep. And they've got – Tyler Hero's having a great year. Goran Dragic. Kendrick Nunn has really stepped up his game. Of recent, you know, he's played well the last couple games. Talio Lennox's been solid. Duncan Robinson. Um, I really like the pickup of Avery Bradley. He's been good for them, especially defensively. Um, Iguodala's been okay off the bench, um, as has Precious Achua. Um, yeah, I, I just – I like the depth of the Heat, and they're starting to – play well as a team again and I think that's the reason for their success and I think they're definitely a force to be reckoned with in the east don't sleep on them no certainly not and I and I think that it comes back to they were so injured at the beginning of the season they lost Jimmy Butler and that kind of took a lot of their offense out um and they really struggled at the beginning of the season since he's come back and Bam Adebayo's back and Tyler Hero is still playing well they've become a, a force to be reckoned with. They're scoring a lot of points. I think their defense has gotten better. Um, and I, I thought the way that Utah was playing, that the Heat would just get blown out. And they, they not only competed, but they won the game. So, um, and yeah, it's, it's impressive. The Heat were 46% from three in that game. They were 51% from the field. Um, they, they did commit um, a couple of, tur- a lot more turnovers in that game. That's something that they should clean up, but Jimmy Butler having a better game than Donovan Mitchell. Um, that's that's improvement for Miami. They've, they've won seven of their last ten, and they've won six in a row. So, um, And they're playing – and their schedule is kind of easy going down the road. They've got one more with Atlanta uh, tomorrow night. Then they're at New Orleans versus Orlando a week later to kick off the second half of the schedule, which was released earlier this week. 
at Chicago, at Orlando versus Cleveland, at Memphis, and then two against Indiana. And the Pacers have fallen off, but there's you know they're still a pretty decent team. So the other team we're gonna and Andrew, I can't wait for you to talk about this is the New York Knicks. Seven of their last ten have been wins, and I think that I thought last night against Detroit, and I know it's just Detroit, so um, I thought they played their most complete game. I thought that they were after you know a little bit of a tight game against Indiana. You know, I thought that this would kind of be a game that okay, watch out. Detroit's a scary team. They play well against good teams. The Knicks, the Knicks played well. They were very, they were 51% from uh, the field. They shot 50% from three. Um, they had six offensive rebounds. They had some better defensive plays. They didn't turn the ball over too much. Uh, 23 assists in the game. Um, far, far out. That was a, um, an overall um, balanced performance. You know, over these last 10 games, um, you know, they lost a close one to the Heat, then they blew out the Wizards, they blew out the Rockets, they had an impressive win over the Hawks at home, then they just confused all, confused all of us Knicks fans by getting blown out by the Magic on the road, then they barely beat the Timberwolves, and I was getting a little nervous, then they lost the Warriors, but then... Last Thursday night, I was at Buffalo Wild Wings and just with my friends watching the game. The Knicks put up 140 against the Sacramento Kings. And yeah, they just Julie, dominated that game. They absolutely just went off. Um, then they beat the Indiana Pacers, um, 110 to 107, a huge win there because the Pacers are one of those teams that the Knicks are going to have to, they're going to have to beat. You know, that's a team that, it's pretty close to them competitive-wise, and that was just a huge win. But last night against the Pistons, not only did they score 109 points, which is impressive for this Knicks team, but they held the Pistons to 90, and I think they had only 54 points in the last two minutes of the third quarter. You know, they were just – the Knicks were playing sound defense. They were swarming the ball. They were forcing turnovers. But they were also scoring in transition. Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett had a couple of dunks last night. Um, but I don't know if this is the culprit, but I feel like Alfred Payton has kind of held the Knicks back offensively. Um, you know, Alfred Payton got injured at following the Warriors game, and since then the Knicks have scored 140, 110, and 109. And Frank Nilakina has done a great job off the bench as a backup guard defensively. He made some clutch free throws to close out the game against the Pacers. He's not throwing up the ball 12 times a game like Alfred Payton is and only making four or five of them. You know, he's, he's passing the ball. The ball movement has looked good. Derrick Rose has been phenomenal as the starting guard. Julius Randles has scored 20 or more, 21 or more points in each of the last 12 games. Um, and RJ Barrett starting to play better. You know, the Knicks are just playing great team basketball and it's so great to see them move up to the four seed. You know, they've really earned it. They've played, they've played the best defense in the league, allowing just 104 points per game. And they're starting to look a little bit better offensively, really happy of what coach Thibodeau's done. And if the Knicks make the playoffs, I think he's got to be a front runner to win coach of the year with this absolutely. roster. Yeah, absolutely. That was something we were discussing at uh, at dinner the other night. Like, and I brought this question up to you is that if, um, 
Coach Thibodeau, if I'm not mistaken, uh, if he gets the next to the playoffs. Not only that, but the way that they're playing right now, being a potential um, top four seed in the East, he's definitely got to be in the conversation with the way that this team has played. And it's so great to see Knicks fans. And I, I saw a video the other day after that. I saw it, it might have been that game against Indiana with the yep. fans all celebrating outside the garden. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen the garden like that at a Knicks game in almost all my life. So it's great to see New York kind of be aware that their basketball team is, and not the Nets because the Nets are from New York, but they're completely irrelevant because they have a super team right now. Um, To see the city of New York be as adamant or be, yeah, everybody's, everybody's a Knicks fan now. So, and I I think that they're a team to watch out for. They're, they're playing sound defense. Um, I think their big guys have come up and made some offensive contributions um, and they're, they're right at the number four spot. So with that cluster of teams in the East, you know, that, that number four spot's going to be huge because I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're good enough to catch Milwaukee. They're definitely not good enough to catch Brooklyn and probably not good enough to catch Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. No offense, but, um, they could catch Milwaukee if, if the Bucks fall off, but the Bucks are playing a lot more better now having won five in a row, especially after beating the Clippers the other night. So the Boston Celtics, and I had a lot of complaints the other week about how bad things were going for this team. They had just gotten killed by the Pelicans. Um, they lost on a ridiculous three-pointer by Luka Doncic in Dallas. And then they flat out get embarrassed by Atlanta. I completely threw the season out the window because there's no chance that this team was that good. Um, and then they beat Indiana. They, somehow they beat Washington. I don't even know how that happened. Um, but two wins in a row for the Celtics and they're still in the playoff hunt. <laughs> and a lot of people on, on social media were saying bad things about the Celtics. They're not a playoff team. They've got two all-stars. That's about it. They can't score. You know, the game against Washington, I, it was a little impressive because Bradley Beal, um, he is a star and he has been really making the wizards a lot more competitive. And at the end of the game, I think it was like the, the last like 45 seconds or whatnot, Jason Tatum just completely took control. He had a, a couple buckets at the end, um, especially the game winner. And then Beal misses a late three-pointer and the Celtics win. What is our overriding feeling about the Celtics right now after winning two in a row? You know, it's just inconsistency, um, yeah. especially on the defense. Um, you know, against – the Hawks, they gave up 127 points in that loss on the road. And, yeah, I know they have an explosive offense, but the games before that, 110 to the Mavericks, 120 to the Pelicans in those losses. And then against the Pacers, they gave up 112, but they did they did play well enough in that fourth quarter to win that game. I thought we were watching that game together. They made some big free throws. They hit their shots, and they made they made some big stops. And then against the Celtics, I mean, that was kind of just um, the Wizards just collapsed defensively in the last few minutes. But the Celtics defense still gave up 110 that game. Um, I'm really interested to see. They have a big stretch of games coming up. And I think if they could win two of three against at home against the Clippers, at home Mm -hmm. against the Raptors and on the road against Brooklyn, I will have. I will, my faith in them will be restored, I think, if they could win two of those three games because the Clippers are obviously one of the top teams in the West. 
the Raptors are one of the hottest teams in the East right now. And this, and obviously the Brooklyn Nets are a super team. So I think if they could, if they could win two of those three games, I think I'll have confidence in them going forward. If they beat the Clippers, that will give me confidence because I, I could care less about beating Utah. I could care less about beating Brooklyn, just beat the Clippers. And then I'll believe because we'll finally figure things out. But I don't know. You're right. They're too inconsistent. I think their defense is lacking, but also their shooting has, was really, um, was not very good in the third quarter late. They, they, they were not playing well offensively. They were not scoring. Um, you know, Daniel Tice missed a couple uh, three pointers. Uh, Campbell Walker's been too inconsistent. Um, the only real star that they really have playing well is Jason Tatum. And without Jalen Brown, it was a struggle. And I, I turned the game off in the last 50 seconds because I was like, it's a five-point game. They're done. And somehow they won the game with Jason Tatum basically carrying the entire team on his back and uh, spring to the finish. So, and that cluster of teams, you know, the Celtics have got to stay within that race. There are, um, if you count the Knicks going all the way down to the Bulls, there's about seven, uh, six, seven teams that cluster in the East that are trying to get into the playoff picture and every win's critical down the stretch. So the East is the East is pretty deep with the way that everybody's trying to separate themselves, including the Knicks at the top. Um, currently a half game ahead of the Celtics, the Heat and Toronto um, at this point. So, um, but quickly let's go to Phoenix and the Phoenix Suns, I think are probably the most impressive team at this point. Eight of their last 10 dominant performance against the Minnesota Timberwolves. How dangerous are the Phoenix Suns at this point in the season going into tomorrow night's game against the Lakers? You know, they're definitely not a team that I would want to face in the playoffs. Um, you know, I think Devin Booker, he eventually did get named an all-star, but I still couldn't believe that he didn't initially make it. I mean, mm -hmm. the man's averaging 25 and a half a game, and they're a top-tier team in the West. And um, – you know, they're get, I think Chris Paul was a huge addition. He's averaging 16 and a half and nine assists. DeAndre Ayton has stepped up. He's almost averaging 15 and 12. Um, Bridges, Sarich, Cam Johnson, um, Jay Crowder have all played well. You know, the, they're deep, but not only are they deep, they've got, they've got two or three legitimate, like, big-name players. That big three in Booker, Paul, and Ayton, I think really has potential to be – dominant in for years to come if they could if they stay together um and you know i've just really been impressed they've been blowing out their opponents um and they're explosive offensively watch out for the suns excited to see they are, that game against the lakers yeah that's gonna be a huge game on tuesday night and the suns they're only a game back of second place in the west and I don't know if anybody – probably the Lakers are not certainly not good enough to catch Utah. The Clippers are playing consistent enough that they could potentially catch Utah, and then that lost Milwaukee the other night kind of scares me. Um, you know, Phoenix, if, if there was a team that you have the most confidence in right now, aside from Utah, I would have said Phoenix because of the way that they've been playing. They are just – they are, you know, kicking ass and taking names at this point with um, you know, a lot of double-digit wins – um, against good teams. I will say that that loss to Charlotte has me a little worried because they didn't score. They had to outscore the Charlotte Hornets, which I didn't think was possible, but you know, it wasn't a very 
consistent night for the Suns. They shot better than Charlotte, um, but they just they turn the ball over too much, um, and defensively they're not very good. They they could score a lot of points, but defensively I think that they're lacking. You know that game against Charlotte the other night was not very good. Um, they had a, a one point win against Milwaukee. Um, they got outscored by Brooklyn. You know, you're going to have to play defense at some point um, in order to be good in the playoffs. So fascinating game on uh, Tuesday night between the Lakers and the Clippers. So let's finish up a quick speed round here. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks currently sit a game behind um, the Philadelphia 76ers and a half game behind Brooklyn in the East. How are we feeling about Milwaukee after winning five straight games? Um, you know, they've, they've impressed me recent of recent, um, you know, they, they beat the Clippers last night at home, which was huge. Um, and they also, they won a close game against the Pelicans. The Pelicans have been playing well, by the way, but mm-hmm. they, they put up 129 then against the Timberwolves. They put up 139 against the Kings, 128. Um, they didn't have as great of a win over the Thunder, but they still played good defense, good enough defense that game. Um, you know, looking at the Bucks, Giannis is obviously incredible. He's averaging 29.2, almost 12 rebounds, almost six assists. Chris Middleton's averaging over 20 a game. Drew Holiday's been a great pickup for them. He's averaging almost 16. Bobby Portis, he was a Nick last year. He's averaging over 11. He's played good defense for them. Um, and Brooke Lopez has been solid as well. Devin Chinzo stepped up. Forbes is solid. You know, I like the depth on the Bucks, and I really think that they're going to give the Sixers and the Nets a tough time if they match up in the playoffs. And I definitely think they could keep pace with them as the season goes on. Well, next Thursday, they kick off their second half of the schedule with the New York Knicks. So that will pit the third, um, the third best offense in the NBA against the second best defense in the NBA, which is going to be a fascinating game because the Knicks, they have a good – they're 7-3 and three away from – or excuse me, um, the Bucs are 14-4 and four at home, and the Knicks can play some pretty good defense. But um, the Bucs round out their first half of the schedule with Denver and Memphis, two teams that I don't think are trustworthy right now. And then they start off with the, the Knicks the following week, two games at Washington and at Philadelphia after. So tough stretch of the games to start the first half, the second half of their schedule. Um, but you're right, they're definitely they're, – they're playing a lot better now. So – um, with the way that Giannis has, has played recently. Um, the Brooklyn Nets lost to the Dallas Mavericks on Saturday. Any concerns about the Nets after getting blown out by Dallas? Um, not really, because in that game against Dallas, I believe they were missing both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And um, when those two don't play, you know, it's going to be really – yeah, they both – neither of them played. Um, when those two don't play, I just don't think they have enough depth to beat teams, especially Dallas, who's been really hot recently. They've gone up to 16 and 16. They were really struggling a few weeks ago. Um, I'm not really worried about Brooklyn. When that big three is out there, you know, they're just – they're unstoppable offensively. Um, that was just uh, – they were missing two of those guys against the Mavs, which is why I think – which is why they lost, I think. I am officially – able to say that they are no longer that team that plays the level of the competition after destroying Orlando um, a couple of days ago. And yes, Dallas has been playing hot, but you're right. They are just, they need to get those guys healthy because they don't have depth 
And when you don't have depth, it's hard to make a long playoff run if a guy like Durant has to miss much more time, if a guy like Kyrie has to miss, miss more time, um, if James Harden ends up missing a lot of time. And um, at San Antonio tonight, so interesting game for the Nets and a big game for the Spurs as well, sitting at fifth place um, in the West. Um, the Charlotte Hornets, are they a playoff team in your eyes after narrowly escaping the Sacramento Kings uh, yesterday? You know, Charlotte's, they've been hot recently. Um, you know, looking at the roster, they've gotten some great perform. Gordon Hayward's been a phenomenal pickup for them. He's averaging 21 and a half a game. Terry Rozier's been hot. He's averaging over 20 a game as well. But LaMelo Ball has been phenomenal. Um, he's averaging over 15, 6, and 6 with a steal and a half a game. You know, he's just been – He's been fun to watch. You know, he's seen a lot of highlight reels on Instagram from him on some of these crazy passes he's doing. You know, he's been great. Malik Monk has really stepped up this year. Um, Devontae Graham's also a very underrated, solid player. He's one of their guards. You know, I'm impressed by the way the Hornets have played. I don't know if I'm as impressed as some of these, some of the teams that, that are ahead of them, like, I still think the Knicks are playing better basketball than them. I think, um, mm-hmm. especially with that defense, I think the Heat are a better team than them. I still think um, – I also think the Raptors might be better than them. I like the way they've been playing recently. But I do think that the Hornets could contend for one of those back-end seeds. With the way that the East is bunched, the Hornets could stay at that level of consistency. And P.J. Washington had 42 points against Sacramento on Sunday – um and the yeah and the hornets had to come from behind they they fell behind in the third quarter had to come from behind to win that game um i was impressed by um their offense but i'm not i'm not liking what i see from their defense um especially they're they're turning the ball over too much um they're not getting a lot of uh you know productivity out of their um their bench guys um I think that they could be a playoff team, but I don't think that they're in for a deep playoff run if they have to go toe-to-toe with the Sixers and the Nets or the Bucks in the playoffs. A um, couple more from the West. Um, this team, uh, the bottom four, five, six, seven, eight, which is the Spurs, Blazers, Nuggets, and Warriors, who do you have the most confidence in as we end the first half of the schedule? Honestly, I have the most confidence in the Nuggets. Um I really like the way that they've played recently. Um, obviously, Nikola Jokic is one of the most underrated superstars in sports. You know, he's averaging almost 27 a game with 11 rebounds and almost nine assists. You know, the Joker is his nickname. He quietly just does this and these incredible things. Um, you know, he's been huge for them. Jamal Murray got off to a slow start, but now he's almost averaging 22 a game. Michael Porter Jr. has looked good. Will Barton has been solid. Um, Monte Morris has been pretty good off the bench. And Paul Millsap's been solid. I like the way that this Nuggets team has played recently, and I definitely think they're a threat in the future. This they're not a number, they're not a bottom four team, but they're sitting like right below that. I'm gonna say Dallas. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say Dallas. They've won seven of their last ten. Um they decimated Brooklyn on, on Saturday. Um, Donkic is playing well. Um, they have been playing some very fundamental defense. Um, I, I really, I, I Christoph Porzingis, he's playing well. 
Um, you know, they've, they've got a lot of guys that I think are contributing. Uh, Richardson's played well. Finney Smith had 12 points. Um, Jalen Brunson had a good game. The, the Mavs, they're not, they're not in the playoff picture right now, but they are making a lot of noise. Um, I, I would watch out for them in, in the next, uh, couple weeks. Um, and then first thought on Lakers Suns tomorrow night. Uh, we don't, we won't, we'll probably be, I'll probably, I don't know if I'm going to stay up and watch the game, but I'll definitely have a uh, uh, tune in interest at uh, 10 o'clock. So first thought on the Lakers and Suns game on uh, Tuesday night. Close. Um, mm. I think this is going to be a very hard fought game. You know, the spread right now is currently one and a half in favor of the Lakers, but the Suns, I think, have played much better basketball recently. So if I were to pick on this game, you know, I would I would honestly take the Suns the way they've been playing. Mm-hmm. But I do think – I think it's going to be a very competitive game. It's going to come down to who has the better day, if it's going to be LeBron James or um, Devin Booker. And it will also – I think it will also come down to depth scoring because you want to know how the injury to – um, Anthony Davis is going to hold up for the Lakers. Didn't hold up against the Jazz. Now it's a big game. And this is, I think you're going to see the level of competition go sky high for the Phoenix Suns with what's at stake, a potential opportunity to take second place in the West Division, or excuse me, the Western Conference, and try to get closer to Utah. Um, I think it's going to be a shootout. I think we're going to see a lot of points. We're going to see a lot of, um, not a lot of defense. Um, and I think it's going to be a close game. There's a lot of, there's a lot of good games on, uh, on Tuesday, but that one stands out. You have the Knicks and the Spurs. Um, so you have the Knicks can follow up that good win against uh, Detroit. The Clippers play the Celtics on Tuesday. Um, and that's a game, as we mentioned earlier, that's the game that Celtics confidence will sell the fans of the Celtics if their confidence will be back with the team or if they're still, you know, they're throwing it away and saving it for next season or down the road as it perhaps um, the nuggets play at Milwaukee uh, and the nuggets probably might need to win that game. And then Atlanta and Miami, the heat have won um, six in a row. Atlanta's played tough against good teams. So fascinating stretch of basketball as we end the first half of the schedule. And then uh, March 11th will roll around in the second half to get underway so with that that it will conclude our 17th episode of the marvel sports podcast we'd like to thank you all for listening for andrew i'm david saying so long and we'll see you next week